Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Basketball. We have live basketball to chat about. Deck the halls, put up those ornaments, my tree, my Hanukkah bush, uh, whatever you you do this time of year, whatever your preference is, whatever your ornaments are, all of mine are tiny little basketballs because that is what is on my mind right now. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. I am Jonas Nordman on the Believe Podcast Network, and I have been looking forward to this show, well, I guess for a few days, but ever since March. We have officially, as I drop my pen, we have officially made it to the point where we are talking about live action on the court, what's in front of our eyes, no more projecting no more what could be no more are we even going to play although that's sort of still up in the air because there's a new game that gets canceled every single day but why wallow in the negative let's let's focus on what's going on let's get to the business this is the believe in jayhawks basketball show on the believe podcast network your number one podcast network for professionals we believe in our teams do you believe Here's what I believe. I believe that I have to start by my traditional, oh, my God, it's a new month. Oh, my God, it's December. Unbelievable. And KU's played three games now. Uh, Got that out of the way. We have now played three games. And, well, let's get right into it. If you've been waiting this long, well, why waste any more time? Uh, let me know your thoughts on the games. Let me know your thoughts on everything that's talked about here on the program at JoeNasty90 on Twitter at JonasN310 on Instagram. DMs are open. Kansas has played three basketball games up to this point, and I'm recording this here on Thursday the 3rd. They have another game tonight against Washburn. The Ichabods, honestly, totally forgot about this game. Um, But, hey, by the time I leave the airwaves, they will have played another three games next week. So the games are coming in fast and furious. The schedule is jam-packed. And I guess it's good that KU has a lot of depth, at the very least. So in order to talk about what's happened, in order to talk about what's to come, let's quickly take a look back if you will, and do what I love the most, which is to toot my own horn. <laughs> I I came into the season, and last episode I talked about my three biggest worries. One, lack of a crowd, Allen Fieldhouse, all of that, the whole nine yards, hasn't played a factor yet. They will play at the Fieldhouse tonight without fans for the first time this season. They're taking on Washburn, like I said, according to ESPN's basketball predictor or whatever. Washburn has a 0.3 chance to win this game. So the lack of a crowd shouldn't be an issue for tonight's game. 
<laughs> so let's let's skip past that one for now. We'll we'll revisit it as Kansas has played a few more home games against you know more traditional opponents. Washburn, of course, usually an exhibition game. No exhibitions this year. This one gets to go on the official record for Kansas. <laughs> so players such as David McCormack, who I'll get to in a moment, and Mitch Lightfoot, and really anyone who needs to get going, probably licking their chops right now. So the, the, the crowd, the lack of a crowd, although there was a little bit of an audience for the Gonzaga and St. Joseph's game, basically family it looked like. We'll, we'll get to that. Scoring. I was worried about, will this Kansas team be able to score enough? And right now, the answer appears to be, we're not entirely sure. What KU can we expect the rest of the year? The team has scored 90 against an excellent Gonzaga team. Gave up 102, but that's okay. Scored 90, scored 94 against St. Joseph's. Not that great of a team. Pretty whatever group. St. Joseph's best player was a stout, pretty unassuming young man who, if you walked by him on the street, you'd think he probably worked at like Ernst and Young or something. But is Kansas perhaps the team that struggled to score 65 against Kentucky? So you've got basically two extremes, although if you've been listening to this program or if you know me, if you score in the 60s in college, that's about average, right? So the fact that they got to 65 against Kentucky, that's like an average offense. That's, that's okay. But it was not pretty on the eyes. It was not easy on the eyes. And it certainly was a grind-out experience just to get to those 65 points. I think Kansas shot something like 30%. To get to those 65 points, it took a heroic, Herculean effort from Jalen Wilson to carry Kansas to a victory. In fact, he almost outscored Kentucky in the second half by himself. I'm not going to do the cop-out. I think they might be somewhere in the middle because, as we're about to talk about, it sort of depends on the formation and the lineup that Kansas is going to go with. Will Bill Self be stubborn and go with the knockdown, drag out one big David McCormack or Mitch Lightfoot, mostly McCormack in the post, in the middle? Or will he go with the free-flowing five-guard, five-wing offense that has essentially won Kansas two games and kept them in the game against Gonzaga until the, the Zags just pulled away? We'll get to the five guard offense and sustainability in a moment. So we can't really answer the question yet on will Kansas be able to score enough because I don't know if we know the rotation and how they plan on going out the rest of this year. Although it does lead us to the third question. Quality size. The bigs. How you use them. Perhaps my number one worry, especially with Silvio DeSosa going out, was if Dave McCormack got hurt or was ineffective, and the same went for Mitch Lightfoot, 
what would happen essentially. And so far, the qualifier to that is the two guys, McCormack and Lightfoot, Jethro Muscadine has not played. He played garbage time against Gonzaga. But McCormack, Big Dave, and Mitch have been wildly ineffective. And I, I really hate to rag on college kids. I really try not to rag on college kids who, again, technically not paid professionals dealing with schoolwork, especially this year dealing with the coronavirus, dealing with quarantines and wearing masks on the sidelines. And Kansas basically spent the entire week on the road for that Fort Myers tip-off going straight to Indianapolis. And they have much more to deal with than just playing basketball, generally. But they are out there for the world to see. This is a college basketball. This is a Kansas basketball show. And to put it as well as possible, David McCormack, I think I just used this word, has been wildly ineffective. His numbers on the year, three games played. He is averaging, and I'm even shocked, and this is really bad to say, but I'm shocked he's even averaging the 7.7 points per game that he is. 4.7 rebounds per game through three games from McCormack. He's only shooting a paltry 25% for a guy who's around the rim, although he fades away on every single shot. So to say he's around the rim is a bit of a stretch. Has he been in foul trouble? No. Hasn't had more than two fouls in any of the three games. And I think the number, when I looked at McCormack's stats, like the eye test, the eye test tells you enough about D-Mac's season so far. It's, it's been bad. But as I dug in here and looked at his season stats, I think the one that surprised me the most is the fact that he has zero blocks through three games including that game against St. Joseph's, which was an undersized team. Maybe it makes more sense in that game because they were shooting a lot of threes. But the amount of times when he was in there, 20 minutes against Gonzaga, 19 minutes against Kentucky, only played 11 minutes against St. Joe's. So, no, take that for what it's worth. But every time in a pick and roll, every time he was switched on a guard, or even against Gonzaga, every time Drew Timmy... The do-it-all center was out on the perimeter. They drove it right at McCormack. And I thought the advantage he would have over Yudoka Azabuki would be his foot speed, his mobility, and his ability to get around and really take away some of these drives. But that was not the case. That has not been the case. Opposing teams see that they are switched on McCormack and they are driving him, either with a guard or with an opposing big man. And he could not keep up with Drew Timmy. So no blocks, barely any contests. He hasn't been able to hold on to the ball when it's past him. And he's not really scoring it. Shooting 25%. So yeah. Quality size has been an issue. And when they went up against a long Kentucky team, 
a big, physical, athletic Kentucky team, when you need a little girth to go back at them, ineffective, the five guards, the five wings are what won Kansas the game. Somewhat luckily, perhaps. I don't know. So let's break down sort of the games, game by game, if you will, a little bit, because these points are going to come back. These themes will be threaded throughout it. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. I am Jonas Nordman. Let me know your thoughts on Big Dave. Let me know your thoughts on the games that have happened and the games to come. A huge matchup against Creighton on Tuesday. Creighton's a really good team, which we'll talk about a little bit here coming up. Let's start with the Gonzaga game because I'm not too worked up over it. I watched Gonzaga last night against West Virginia. Uh, The Zags took down the Mountaineers, although West Virginia held their own. West Virginia is the exact same team. They can't score. Physical, you know, Derek Culver, Oscar Sheboy, physical, offensive rebounding machines. Got in foul trouble, though. And at the end of the day, West Virginia couldn't score enough. Wash, rinse, repeat. West Virginia basketball. <laughs> um, but Gonzaga is an excellent team. That's probably the best team in the country. Jalen Suggs, we mentioned him last week. That's a lottery pick. He was amazing. Corey Kispert, NBA player, NBA shooting. Not sure how he shoots so well, considering his eyes are so close together and he's a cyclops. But regardless, he does shoot it very well. And uh, Drew Timmy, like I mentioned, really good center. He's going to make a lot of big men look foolish. I just thought David McCormack had what it took to stay with him. I was wrong. That's okay. Joel Ayayi, the point guard, really fast. Him and Nemhard, if, that, if that's your fourth and, best, fourth and fifth best players, you've got a really good team. So for the first game of the year with limited practice, traveling, weird situation, Really wasn't that worried about the Gonzaga game. Giving up 102 points to them. Disconcerting, yes. That's, that's not what you want to see. But that is a pro-style offense with pros running it. And all things considered, when you're figuring out your own rotation and your own team, it's fine. Like, it is what it is. It's non-conference. It's not at the field house. It doesn't add a tick to Bill Self's home record. Like, you have some stinkers. And truly, Kansas was there for the taking, or Kansas had the game there for the taking in the second half. Gonzaga just ran away and hid. Whatever. The St. Joseph's game was frustrating. St. Joe's, I was wildly under, wildly unimpressed by. Just jacked up bad shots. Their best player, like I said, looks like an accountant. At the end of the day, those bad shots caught up with them. Dewan Harris, remember that name, added the spark for the Jayhawks, and they ran away and hid themselves in that ball game. As KU ended up winning that game 94-72. I half want to say that's a score line that, you know, the game was a little bit closer than the final score line, but you know, the way that Kansas played in that second half and when Dewan Harris came into the game, I actually think it's pretty indicative of the way Harris spark-plugged the team. And then we come to the Kentucky game. 
Kansas wins 65-62, and at the end of the day, that is what's most important. You want to get those victories over Kentucky. Not necessarily the same deal with the Gonzaga game. KU versus UK, yeah, it, it means a little bit more. You see Calipari over there gesticulating, <laughs> running onto the court. Dickie V's slobbering all over him. Oh, what a great coach, baby. Oh, yeah, he cares. But you, you want to beat Kentucky. And whereas I was like the Gonzaga game, whatever, I was getting ticked off about the, the Kentucky game. As I mentioned, you lose to Gonzaga, fine. They do everything well. <laughs> right? Shooting, inside play, enough defense for Gonzaga. That might be their Achilles heel, their defense. But it's fine. Kentucky, watching them, and at this early stage of the season, all they are good at is being long and athletic. Are they good at outside shooting? God, no. They're atrocious. Do they have good post players? Olivier Saar, pretty good. The senior, the transfer from Wake Forest, Danny Manning, protege. Pretty good, but he got in silly foul trouble. Some really unnecessary fouls were committed by Saar. Took him out of the game. No more inside presence for Kentucky. Are they great defensively? I wouldn't say they're a good defensive team, but that length and athleticism really had some good rim protection in the ball game and it really affected Kansas at times until they went with the five guard lineup, five wings. As Jesse Newell, the great writer for the KC star or whoever he writes for now mentioned, and this was on Twitter when David McCormack or Mitch Lightfoot were in the game, that basically meant there was a long athletic rim protector just standing there around the rim. And whenever Kansas was able to drive and get to the rim, there were some, they just basically ran into McCormack's defender and they got swatted, packed like a suitcase. But when they went to the five guard lineup, <laughs> driving lanes opened, there was no congestion in the middle. And all of a sudden, those layups and dunks started to actually go through the hoop. So let's talk about the five-guard lineup. Because as, you, as I mentioned with my worries about the quality size of Kansas, I really was looking at the games against West Virginia, right? Sheboy and Culver, I watched them last night. They are attacking the offensive and defensive glass with a vengeance. With a violent vitriol. <laughs> and if the tallest player on the court for Kansas in, in those games is Jalen Wilson, it's going to be tough for them to control the boards. So let's talk about the five-guard lineup. Let's start with the eye test. It's night and day right? It's not even close. In fact, I wanted to gouge my eyes out and not have an eye test watching Kansas offensively with the four guards and one big in the middle. 
They opened it up. Jalen Wilson could drive. Christian Brown could get to the rim. Marcus Garrett with the coronavirus or without it. They said he didn't, but he looked in pretty bad shape. Let's hope it's just like a stomach ailment. He's able to get to the rim at will when he wants. Ochaya Abaji able to run around some pick and rolls. Got his three-point stroke going a little bit. Kansas was quicker defensively. More steals happened with Dewan Harris in the game. More transition opportunities. And they won the game. That's the eye test. It looked that much better, right? How about cold, hard facts and stats? This comes via Chris Stone at C Stone Hoops on Twitter. Old Stoney. Bringing you the rock hard numbers. This is what he said during the game against Kentucky. He put up a chart. I'm not going to talk about the chart. He says, Kansas has been 20. This is at halftime of the Kentucky game. So two and a half games, basically. And then I would imagine the numbers even increased from there. They inflated. Kansas has been 21 points per 100 possessions better than its opponents without Lightfoot or McCormack on the floor and eight points worse with at least one of them on. Small sample, but tracks I test things so far. There's the numbers. Your eyes are not deceiving you, Kansas fans, or Kansas haters who are listening to the show, or neutrals. All are welcome. Kansas is 21 points better per 100 possessions, per 100 possessions with the five-guard lineup. So the numbers back it up. The eye test backs it up. But is it sustainable? You know, I, I know the people tune into the show for crazy opinions and hot takes, but I don't know. They just took down, right, a great offensive rebound or a really athletic team in Kentucky. Could they do that against a team like West Virginia? Could they do that against the length of Texas with Greg Brown and Jackson Hayes? Could they do that against – look, I watched Baylor last night as well. Whew. Everyday John, uh, what was his name, Machuya? Mark Vidal banging around like the bowling ball that he is. I don't know if that's going to work against Baylor. I don't know if anything's going to work against Baylor, to be honest. I'm not afraid to say, as we stand here three games into the season, Baylor is the best team in the Big 12. It's okay. Things can develop. We're not in Big 12 play yet, although we're not too far off. This might surprise some folks, but non-conference play is almost finished, including tonight's game against Washburn. This is one, two, three, four, five more non-conference games. And three of them are about to happen within the next five days or so. So the numbers say... Go five, go five out. You want to talk about the ability to evolve. Have you seen all these monoliths popping up around the world? There was the one in Utah. There was the one in Romania. Apparently one popped up in California today. It's all very spooky. If you haven't heard about it, look it up. But it's all very 2001, a space odyssey, you know, (laughs) Uh, with uh, the big black monolith and that one as well with the monkey throwing the the bone at it 
I like how I did the motion here in my studio as if people are watching. Um, <laughs> but it's all very 2001 A Space Odyssey. And speaking of evolution, it was just nine years ago, Bill Self with the Morris Twins still was going high-low offense, two bigs. Heck, that's just the one that my mind went to. A couple years later, they still had Thomas Robinson, Jeff Withy. It wasn't until 2017 where it was like crazy that Bill Self was tinkering with a four-guard lineup with Josh Jackson at the power forward. And here we are. (laughs) Wouldn't you know it, Bill Self's best lineup is no true centers or power forwards and five wings. My biggest concern is not rebounding at the five-guard lineup, and we'll wrap it up here in just a second. (laughs) I've been waiting for an episode like this for a long time. Let me ramble. I I think the rebounding... Look, this is why I think it's okay rebounding-wise. It's because Christian Brown is the best rebounding guard I've seen in college, ever. He puts his nose in there. I said this last year. He puts his nose in there, and he goes, and he gets the ball. The kid is tough, and he's a superstar. And I don't know if you heard the reason he got teed up. Uh, the audio from those games overheard him saying, yeah, B, <laughs> after he dunked it on them. So he's got an edge. No, the, my, my biggest issue actually is Dewan Harris and Marcus Garrett on the floor together. Defensively, they're going to shut some teams down. Harris is quick in the lane, great anticipation, got four steals. And I've said so much about Marcus Garrett and his defensive abilities over the past year that I think he has a restraining order out against me. (laughs) But offensively, they're borderline zeros offensively. Yes, Marcus Garrett can hit down an outside shot. Yes, he gets to the lane and he's able to drive. But there were a handful of occasions when I was watching that Kentucky game with the five-guard lineup when you're able to drive and kick. Someone got into the lane. They dished out to Garrett, wide open. He said, no, this is not my role. And I'm a look, I love the fact that he's all about knowing his role. So he said early in the shot clock, I'm not the guy who wants shooting this. Let me dish it. Well, the guy who was wide open right next to him for the next open shot was Dewan Harris. Knows his role early in the shot clock said, I'm not going to shoot this. And the ball, t- the ball rotated back around and Kansas didn't end up getting an open shot on that initial rotation. So you've got two guys who are, you know, hesitant to shoot on the floor together. And if I noticed that you better believe Chris Beard of Texas tech and Scott drew and Bob Huggins, and all of those crazy cats down there, well, not Bruce Weber, but everyone in the Big 12 is going to see this, and they will game plan it. So I don't know how that's going to affect things going forward. Maybe you don't play them together necessarily. Maybe you stagger their minutes, or maybe you say the defense with these two on the floor together is completely worth it. We'll see. All right, Washburn tonight, North Dakota State, the Bison on Saturday 
and then a big game next Tuesday against Creighton. Uh, like I said, Washburn has a 0.3 chance of winning that game, according to ESPN. Uh, so we will not talk about that, other than the fact that the Ichabods is an unbelievable nickname. Um, in terms of North Dakota State, if you're wondering, Kansas is a heavy favorite in that game as well. Uh, the matchup predictor gives North Dakota State a 2.9 chance to win it. And North Dakota State, partially the reason why they're such heavy underdogs is because they've only scored 54.3 points per game. Perhaps the most interesting part of their season is that they too have played Creighton. Creighton beat them by 11, 69 to 58. So take that for what it's worth for KU's big matchup against the Blue Jays next Tuesday. At the moment, Creighton is ranked number nine. By the time they face KU on Tuesday, they may be at nine or may have raised up a smidge because Kansas will will be the best team that Creighton has faced up to that point. They beat North Dakota State. They beat Nebraska-Omaha. They blew them out. And Creighton is going to play Kennesaw State on Friday. And that will be their last game before heading to Allen Fieldhouse, where there may be limited attendance. We'll see. I think if Kansas goes full five guards, look, that it's going to match Creighton perfectly. Creighton is a flowing, beautiful move, ball-moving offense that's going to shoot a lot of threes. Perfect scenario for the five-wing offense of Kansas. And if they stick to it, if Bill's not stubborn, or heck, if David McCormack finds himself against Washburn, well, he'll probably find himself against Washburn, and against North Dakota State, and he's effective against Creighton, that could be the difference. I think KU pulls that one out, though. Maybe by three to five points. Creighton's good, though. So, three games between now and next Thursday. Enjoy all of them. Conference play is right on the horizon. We will break down the games that have been played. We will look to the future. We will enjoy the fact that for the moment... There is basketball in our lives. Enjoy it. Consume it, people. Consume it along with your holiday hams and your eggnog. Stay warm out there. As always, stay safe. Things are crazy out there. I will talk with you next week after this next batch of basketball games, and I will leave you with a holly jolly rock shot. Folks, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.